0: Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones, I play Christmas Allen on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast.
1: This is Victoria Cartagena, I play Rene Montoya on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast.
0: How would Alfred deal with these two visitors to Gotham from Ireland?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, how did you get to the door? And uh, and secondly, I, I'd grasp you firmly, the Aldo, and I'd walk you very smartly to the gates, and I might even show you my commando knife. How's uh, that? <laughs>
0: You could set the dogs on us as well. Yeah, well, no, I
1: don't need dogs,
0: mate. Welcome back, Gothamites, and welcome to Gotham TV Podcast, the home of the hit TV show Gotham and the DC Connected Universe. I'm one of your hosts, John. And
1: I'm Derek. Welcome back. Hope you had a good St. Patrick's Day, and I hope you enjoyed the last couple of podcasts.
0: Yeah, so we're up to episode 13 already. Um, Welcome back, Jim Gordon, is its title, and hence my opening. Mm Mm-hmm. and this is episode 38 of Gotham TV Podcast, so uh, we're beginning to rack up the the old numbers. Yeah. Um, and we kind of want to start off by just uh, informing everyone to make sure we get it out there up front and personal, so to speak, um, that... <laughs> We do have a competition open to everyone who uh, listens to the show or follows us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+. And it is to win a signed print uh, by Christopher Uninger, who was an artist that we met at uh, New York Comic Con last year in October. And it's a signed print of Oswald Cobblepot with his umbrella and a few other Gotham goodies, and that we're not going to sort of spoil here and now, but it's open to everyone. Basically, you can leave a review uh, of our show on iTunes or any other good um, podcast catcher that has the review function available to you, for example, Stitcher as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can send in feedback and comments to our website at GothamTVPodcast.com or to our Twitter account or Facebook account. Were If we read them out then on the show, um, you will be entered into this drawer that will be drawn from a ceremonial hat um, (laughs) (laughs) on our last episode and chat and discussion of the last episode of Gotham for season one.
1: Yeah, so this competition started uh, around the uh, the Sean Pertwee interview episode a couple of weeks ago. So we have a few people in the hat so far. And uh, we did pop it up on Twitter there during the week this week. And it's uh, now got the seal of approval of Erin uh, Richards, who uh, who tweeted back to us saying, I love this picture. So uh, I don't know whether we include her in the hat for, uh, for winning the prize since she likes it. And since she's given us feedback and we read it out on, on the podcast. That is true. Technically, the rules are that she gets into the hat.
0: She gets into the hat. Um, and if she wins, mm-hmm. we draw her
1: again, okay, okay. I think. Or she can decide. Who or she it. can decide who gets it, okay. exactly. Okay, good stuff. But yeah, all you need to do is just send in your feedback to us, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can also email us, obviously, at feedback at GothamTVPodcast.com uh, to send any feedback about any of the episodes coming up.
0: Yeah, and also, just remember, you can... Find us and listen to us on Gotham TV podcast forward slash iTunes. So please go over and head over and listen to us and to our episodes there. Um, you're more than welcome to, obviously. But I think with that and with our new format in place now, where we kind of pick five points each of each of the episodes that we chat and discuss about, I think
1: it's on to our review. <laughs> So this week's episode is "Welcome Back, Jim Gordon." Welcome back, Jim. <laughs> this is directed by Wendy Stansley. Um, she has directed some episodes of uh, of Arrow and of Sleepy Hollow, so uh, so a good bit of pedigree there for these type of shows. This episode is written by Megan Mostyn-Brenn. She uh, hasn't written an episode of the of the show Gotham before, but which she will be returning for episode eighteen. If everyone has a cobblepot, so you'll hear our thoughts on her writing for this episode, and hopefully we uh, we enjoyed it because uh, she is coming back in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so that's episode eighteen's event five weeks from now. John, do you want to lead us off with your synopsis of the episode? Yep, yeah, certainly. Welcome back, Jim Gordon, to the GCPD.
0: And what a return it is. Jim's reintroduction to homicide begins with a seemingly routine and insignificant gangland style murder over drugs. But the investigation soon leads him and his reluctant partner, Harvey Bullock, into the murkier and more corrupt waters as a key eyewitness to the crime is murdered within the apparent safety of the GCPD precinct whilst under Jim's watch. A wary Captain Essen, at the behest of an incensed and angry Jim Gordon, accepts the need to conduct an internal investigation of the GCPD, headed by Jim, but warns him to tread carefully. All the while, Fish and Butch are given a very different kind of welcome to the Falcone family following their betrayal of their don. Fish is undergoing heavy and systematic torture, whilst Butch is carted off to be killed at the hands of Falcone's men. Butch escapes incineration and returns to save Fish, who now, free from Falcone, is intent on revenge and goes after Oswald, now with the keys to her old club. However, Victor Zaz is also hot on the heels of Fish and Butch and catches up with them at Oswald's club, saving Oswald in the process from certain death at the hands of Fish. As she manages to evade Zaz's grasp with a helping hand from Butch, loyal to the end, but also from an old friend and unexpected quarter, who helps her to to, to the docks to leave Gotham, where she vows to return. A break in Jim's investigation, thanks to a tip-off and favour from Oswald, leads Jim into the corrupt and more deceptive world of the GCPD Narcotics Unit. As events unfold, suspicions lead higher and higher up the chain of command, first to Officer Delaware, but ultimately culminating in the arrest of Detective Flass. But even he, Flass, is protected by a higher unknown person, who we are still to find out. However, even this small success, the arrest of Flass, comes at a price, as now even Jim begins to be perceived like those he has come to investigate and to track down.
1: Yeah, a fascinating ending to the episode. Definitely a really, really good ending to the episode. So, Derek, what did you think of the episode overall? Yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the episode. It's a bit of a different one than normal. This seemed like much more of a, a, a good GCPD procedural, as we, as I'll, as I'll call it, um, a good investigation episode and some a lot of character building in this episode a lot of relationships are kind of discussed and uh, and built upon from previous episodes which is something that I think they needed to do at this stage of the of the show i think they needed to start building up some of the um connections between characters and start developing some of them so we start to get to know some of the characters intimately um we've been dealing with them now for Twelve episodes, so uh, so it's time to move move that little notch higher and move them into into understanding some of their intimate intimate relationships. Uh, yeah,
0: like I, I really so. enjoyed this. I must say, I, I really kind of enjoyed it more so than I think I was expecting. Mm. Um, I thought it was a good um, reshuffle of the deck of cards, given right. the events of. Um, eleven episodes, eleven and, and episodes twelve. And mm. um, it seems as though you know this was a bit of a new dawn, and there was a whole load of new sort of beginnings to existing relationships. Um, you know, Jim Gordon is back in the GCPD and is now back partnered with Harvey Bullock. Mm-hmm. Falcone has got a breath of new life. You know, he is now the number one again. Um, he has dealt with Liza and Fish and Butch both uh, Fish and Butch are on um, you know, the back foot, so to speak, after their betrayal was found out. Oswald has been elevated beyond what um he was this this secretive snitch to Falcone and almost advisor and is now obviously being um is finding a more settled position in that organisation. Mm. And even then, with uh, Bruce and Selina, that element of, of this episode, um, you know, the, there's new relationships developing there, or, should I say, were, are cooling, in fact. Yeah. So, to me, this was a good sort of um, shuffle of, of the deck of cards within Gotham, and new perspectives forming, as you kind of said, um,
1: as to these relationships and how they're evolving or changing yeah yeah totally agree uh, on to our top five case notes for this week i suppose um my first case note particularly is is really about uh, about bruce selena and alfred their little their little kind of conversation that goes on in this episode or the conversation particularly between bruce and selena he spends the episode looking for um looking for traces of selena kyle uh, he's obviously fallen for for Selena, and he's a bit lovesick. He's a bit there's a bit of puppy love going yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really good though. Um, there's always this uh, bond between those two characters in the comic books and in in the films as well. Um, where Bruce does does basically want to want to be with the character of, of Selena. Um the she is the closest person to him. Um but what's ha- what happens here essentially is as, as you mentioned, kind of the cooling of the relationship. Uh, Bruce pushes too too far and says, um, you know, I want you to move in with me and I want you to help help solve my parents' murder. And Selina says no. She doesn't. She actually doesn't know. She's been lying the whole time. Don't believe her for a second. Uh, and in fact, uh, while kind of while looking around, I did uh, I did discover a really good fan theory that was made online by uh, Zado um, X A D A D O W. The name <laughs> <laughs> trips of the tongue, just does. like Gotham TV podcast. That's true. That's very true. Um, <laughs> but listen to these two lines from the episode. Also, I wanted to know if. Um... If you wanted to stay here in my house, listen, kid. Chill. So yes, that's Bruce saying essentially move in with me and help me solve parents' murder. And Selina saying, "Listen, kid, chill." And one of the theories that uh, was proposed that I that I saw was, is Selina actually telling him the, the murder of his parents by that line? Is she saying, "Joe, chill"? The actual murder murderer in the comic books of of, uh, of Bruce's parents. What do you think?
0: I'm not entirely convinced mm. by that. I but I think it's a nice little bit of um, theorising mm. on, on a line. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that is just her saying, you know, chill. I mean, essentially, Bruce has just asked Selena to move in with him. Yeah. And she's probably like, I'm not that kind of a girl. Mm-hmm. You know? A bit forward, yes. given the age. Absolutely. Um, so... You know, she's happy enough in her own skin. She doesn't necessarily want to move into Wayne Manor. She's had that experience before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her relationship with Alfred is not the best. She has a connection there with Bruce, but it isn't maybe at the same sort of level that Bruce has or the affection that Bruce has for, for Selina. I mean, t- for Bruce, Selina is his friend, and he doesn't have many. Yeah, For Selina she's um a street kid she has friends that maybe she really values or whether they're just acquaintances who she needs or uses or or can rely on from time to time but ultimately is as with cats seemingly independent mm-hmm. so and, um, you know, there's a slight difference in in the dynamic there, I reckon.
1: Yeah, and also the last time she stayed there, she was uh, tracked in. And, and an attempt in her life was made by a League of Assassins. So, um, you know, probably not the safest place for her to live, either.
0: Copperheads, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. A League of Assassins led by Copperhead. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Copperheads. Exactly. The Copperheads, yeah. So... Yeah, it, it
0: would be a bit like putting a you know a big bullseye on her back um, from these people who are looking to track her down. So I think there's also a safety element for her here as well because, you know, to go to Wayne Manor is like putting a huge bullseye on the back of, of her. Um, and, you know, she's safe on the streets, flexible. Um, you know, she can escape where she needs to. She can blend in and, and make sure that she's... Not in
1: harm's way. So for her, I think there's a safety element, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do like the interplay. And again, as I say, the reason why it stood out to me is the fact that, you know, Selina is essentially saying that she's done with the case. She doesn't want to be involved in it anymore. She doesn't want to have seen what she saw and she's pretending it didn't happen. Uh, but it does lead into a great uh, a great little bit of, you know, Alfred's taking care of Bruce again um, and his version of parenting again, <laughs> where, where essentially it cuts back to bruce he's, he's smashed the present that he's bought for um, bought for selene on the ground in in anger as uh, as bruce wayne is wont to do um and Alfred comes in with the line, uh, shall I get a broom um, then? Or do you want to continue crying over the shattered fragments of your tortured life? Um, which I think is just a fantastic moment from Alfred where he's uh, where he's just kind of saying, look, just get over it. It is like sting. It's yeah. a
0: real harshness that comes from, um, from Alfred. And yeah, I definitely got that. And even just slightly earlier when Bruce is trying to track down Selena, And obviously, you know, mm-hmm. he's bringing Alfred in tow. They meet up with Ivy Pepper. Bruce is speaking to her, trying to find out information, Mm -hmm. and tells Alfred to hand over a $20 bill. But, you know, Alfred's almost like she's got the mange. It's like, you know, she's diseased and and kind of, you know, stay stay away. And are these the kind of friends that you're associating with? Aren't they just charming yeah he has
1: the same opinion as i have of of, uh, ivy pepper's makeup that he just wants to take her to the hospital but doesn't want to actually touch her (laughs) You know, yeah but I, i think he you know there is a harshness
0: there coming from um from alfred which i suppose hints at his military um background to the discipline where you know that kind of emotional response cannot be allowed on the battlefield it has to be slightly automated and mechanical in terms of how you deal with it so that you survive yourself that kind of rigorous Mm -hmm. uh, day in day out training that means that you kind of have automated responses almost so to me i think it's a really good response from alfred because it hints at that military background of his now i do think there's an undertone between the two of you know, harshness as well, I mean, I love their relationship, Alfred and Bruce mm-hmm. um I think it's amazing, and there's some absolute moments of huge warmth and the appreciation. But we have on the one hand heard young Bruce you know order Alfred around. That's an order. To stop burning these um mm-hmm. these books. You know you must do this. I order you to do this a very master-servant relationship, a very sergeant, you know, private relationship in that sense.
1: Absolutely, or even just as simply as, as Ivy wants $20, Alfred, Payer. You know, that's that's very much the servant. He's carrying his wallet. He's doing everything for him. You know? Yeah,
0: you know, that, that valet, that butler, that, that, that sort of manservant doing the bidding of the master. And I think then this is the reverse side of that, where you know, he is uh, Bruce's guardian, and He is basically saying, This is how you need to deal with it. You know, pull your socks up, stop crying, uh, and brush up the mess that's been left. Um, And I think that's probably thematic for, you know, what's happened to his parents and to move on with his life, as well as the fact that his present to Selena is smashed. Um, into pieces on the ground of Wayne Manor.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, Alfred closes out with saying, "I knew she was a wrong one anyway." So, you know, he has he has his suspicions confirmed despite the uh, the the wonderful moment that Bruce had together with her. Uh, Alfred always knew she was not right for Bruce essentially. So that's what he's confirming there. But I, I like I like that. That's definitely my first point about the episode. It really stood out to me as a good moment and something that was really important to come back to the murder of the Wayne. Uh, the Wayne parents, which is, which was the central point to the beginning of the episode,
0: and just quickly as well on your point, I do think that how Selina and uh, Bruce Wayne, how uh, Cameron Bickendover and David Mazouz how they are interacting as the younger versions of these iconic characters is really really good. Um, like I just I love their interaction and I think it's been done really well. And again, it happens there over the snow globe uh, uh, and that, um, that rejection of Bruce by Selina um, in, in his study after actually being quite warm and fuzzy. I, mm-hmm. I like that contrast. And, yeah, I, think, I thought it was really good um,
1: in, in this episode. Yeah, too. she does back off intensely when he says move in with me. But, yeah, uh, that's my yeah. first point. Uh, John, what's your first kick?
0: What? I think moving on to uh, another Uh, lady in in the show is fish mooney i think for me she shows her resolve and her metal here it's really really good you know she is being absolutely worked over in the torture chamber Mm. you know and she's been suffocated she's been strung up she You know, she is being brutalised here um, in retribution for what she did to Falcone. And she, you see she's been brought up on the tough streets. You suddenly realise why she got to where she was. It's really a strong woman, able to withstand a lot of pain. Um, And she's kind of almost like lapping this up. And I think, you know, um, on top of that, we have... um, The continued loyalty of of Butch um, and Fish. And I'm really enjoying these two together. And in particular, Fish this week, I thought, stood out with this resolve in her character. I thought Jada Pinkett Smith did a really good job. And just, again, the continued loyalty that continued from last week of Butch Gilsey and towards her, where, you know, he comes back for her and is absolutely her right-hand man. And, I mean, dare I say it, you know, as Fish said in the first episode, Butch is loyal. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. And I just love this whole interaction, a really confident and and resolute uh, performance, I think, of Fish, which really added to her character in in this episode. And I I loved it. I thought it was really good, you know. Um, I, I thought, you know, Fish... Has been um, hasn't always gotten the the praise I think that as a character that has been deserved of of her and I think here she really came across as quite a tough streetwise um, former crime boss who really again the hatred for Oswald coming out and um, just fantastic really
1: good um, portrayal. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think this is definitely one of her best episodes. And just a point to note about this, that originally the, the TV show Gotham was only supposed to be 13 episodes for a first season, and this was supposed to be the final episode uh, of that first season. So it does feel like that in some, in some uh, moments of it. I could absolutely see, you know, uh, the end of the episode being Fish sailing off uh, into the sunset, getting out of Gotham, leaving Oswald behind to take over her club you know that being the end of the first season and then it leading into a second season if it got if it got renewed um where Oswald is the owner of Fishmoney's club and he's running he's running that lounge they set up enough questions in the episode and they set up enough uh, pieces of information going forward um, but I think it would would also be enough we mentioned last week that you know the the originally when fish was cast when Jada Pinkett Smith was cast in the role of fish she said she wasn't going to stay for longer than a year so uh, this would have been a good kind of send off for her as a character, I think, um, in the way that the show had been written. Um, but that's it. And
0: I, I, you know, it opened up her loyalty to um, to Butch. It opens up her revenge of Oswald. And I mean, that whole scene where her and Butch go back to her former club, and you know, Penguin has the Penguins been the celebrating and, and kind of almost. Without her knowing, rubbing her nose in it mm. by, by triumphantly sort of taking ownership of this club and getting drunk there. And she comes in and she's there with the same baseball bat, I think, that was used to to knock out the crook in, in the alleyway in the first episode again. And also break Oswald's leg. And break Oswald's leg. Okay. She's there with the baseball bat. She uses it on him again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really really good that this all kind of comes tying back um, together with this revenge story. And I mean, again, Robin Lord Taylor and Jada Pinkett Smith, I think have been really, really good together. I mean, you you had the initial um, face-off between them in her club and after he was shown to be alive again and was working for Moroni. And, you know, he comes to to meet up with her as Moroni's aide. I think it was probably in episode um, eight, probably uh, The Mask, Mm -hmm. just after uh, Penguin's Umbrella. And here we have um, it again where, you know, he is on his knees. He's just been clobbered by this baseball bat, yet he almost tells it as it is to her. He's honest with her to say, you know, you're calling me an umbrella boy, uh, sort of a a, a working boy, a a handyman for you, yet you didn't see any of the stuff that I was doing. I pulled the wool over your eyes. You were the fool here. And he really um, puts it to her, really, that she failed. And you can see it boiling up in her eyes as he's telling her. And, I mean, I would say essentially without Victor Zaz turning up to um you know who's on the hunt of um Butch and Fish after their escape without him turning up penguins probably got a baseball bat in the head and mm-hmm. is and is gone he gets saved by um Victor Zaz, and I think the kind of the hysterical laugh after that point is that realization that in some bizarre twist of fate again he's come out against all the odds and survived Mm -hmm. an encounter that could have led to his death. And I I, I love it. And again, it's the whole two steps forward, one step back or five steps back where, you know, he's swaggering around drunk, showing off in his new club, fish turns up, pulls him down a peg or two, but then he gets back up and again, he's ahead of the curve. He's survived and and he's still there in the game. I love it. Really like it. Yeah. and I think this is all down to actually a really great character in Fish Mooney.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, t- I totally agree. And I like just one one final comment on Fish for me is is that, you know, obviously Harvey and Fish's relationship is revealed. Definitely. Um, I think that's quite an interesting point. You know, Jim needles Harvey at the beginning of the episode about it and... Um, and all that Harvey will say about it is the woman is hard as nails and this episode absolutely proves that, that that fish is hard as nails she's got a bag over her head for a couple of minutes essentially and that's what the uh the is torturing her essentially goes i've never seen anybody be able to take uh this kind of torture in your and but we're only getting started kind of thing and she's willing to t- to accept it all she's a strong woman and she's not going to take any kind of any kind of uh Torture like this, um, but yeah, it's a lovely fact. little
0: um, scene between the two. Where you know he puts a coat over her shoulders. He's kind of saying, you know, my advice is don't come back. And the end of the episode. At the end of the episode, right. you know that I've always had your best interests at heart, which is really interesting. And I'd love if the the writers really delved into that that statement. You mm-hmm. know, I almost feel that Harvey has become cleaner and cleaner as the episodes have carried on and this just kind of pulls him back into that grey murky version of Gotham mm-hmm. um were well to what extent you mean have you been protecting mm-hmm. her and I just like the fact that you know Butch means so much to Fish from um, that loyalty point of view and she just says to um, Harvey and it shows the trust that she has in Harvey as well and says if you find Butch Help him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a great little touch to to Fisher's character, and I think to Harvey's character
1: actually. Yeah, yeah definitely, it's good to good to see that. So, what's your
0: second point then?
1: Um, you've covered a lot of my second point. It's actually <laughs> mostly about um, it's mostly about Oswald taking over Fisher's club. I think it was really it, it's really interesting to finally see Oswald attain one of his dreams. Certainly, he he dreamt small uh, to begin with. Uh, he dreamt that he was going to take over Fisher's club. That was kind of where he was aiming for. Yeah, I don't think he was dreaming to take over uh, Falcone's business. I think he was very much looking to take over Fish's business. Finally get back at her for what she did to him kind of thing. So he's finally achieved the dream. He's standing on stage. So he's finally achieved the dream. He's showing off to his mom. He brings her into the club and she gets drunk. Takes the kind of moment away from him by going up and singing on stage for what looked like hours. <laughs> Seriously. Um and he eventually kind of gets he gets her taken home by his by his right hand man, Gabe. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of he finally gets the moment for himself, which is I now own this place. I can do whatever I want to in here. And it's basically him with a him with a rock track and a and a bottle of a, a bottle of your finest um, touching every single thing in the place saying this is all mine, 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 you know. Uh, really great stuff. And it's
0: then, like, yeah, it's like a warm
1: hug of the club, isn't it? It's yeah. a really, it's a really good moment. Yeah, it is. And just the one moment that really stood out to me is finally Oswald standing on stage and welcoming everybody to the new club about to say the name and it get cut, gets cut off by uh, by Fish as she arrives as you, as you mentioned a moment ago but uh, I, th- I think that bit just really stands out because I was absolutely waiting for him to say the Iceberg Lounge, his club well known from the comic books, well known from the computer games, that's where that's kind of the level that Penguin eventually achieves is basically owning his own club and running all his businesses from there and um, I thought it was going to happen, I was suddenly thinking that this he's finally achieved his dream but fish comes in and spoils it out for him but yeah i really enjoyed that i completely agree and i
0: think this was one of my other points was that the development of uh the penguins and or oswald cobblepots and his mother's relationship there in those scenes is is really nice there's that one moment where um he hugs his mom when he's essentially kind of forcing her and pushing her out the door because Mm -hmm. she's overstayed um, and outstayed her welcome um, to the opening of his club. And she's kind of taking it and run with it rather than all the glory being on him. And, And they hug and he's still this loving son, but it's just the look on his face is right. It's almost like through gritted teeth where it's like, Thanks, Mum, for coming and thanks for ruining it. I still yeah. love you, but thanks anyway And then, you know, he hands over to um Gabe, yeah, his right hand man, mm-hmm. um, to, to take her home. And then the party really begins to start where, you know, he's free of his mother then, and so out comes the champagne, down it goes out comes the loud music and he really embraces the fact that he has made it just yeah. before he's torn down again. And I love that interaction with his with his mom, with um, Gertrude Kapelport, because we've had some really nice touches between them. You know, she is pleased as punch that this whole club is his. Hmm. And then she wants to just sing on stage and, you know, she's singing with the band that's there and he's not really able to do too much and she's still singing, yeah. and, singing and singing and singing and singing and singing and it's like, right, like just gone. get her, yeah, you're done <laughs> now, get her home. And yeah. I like that nuance in, um, in their relationship, to yeah. be
1: honest. And one tiny little touch I also liked about it is, uh, is when Gertrude picks up uh, Liza's his old scarf and sticks it over her shoulders and tells and says it looks beautiful on me and uh, <laughs> and Oswald is kind of a bit creeped out by the fact that the uh, the the dead woman that he calls to be murdered uh, her scarf is now around his mother's neck. You can tell he's kind of creeped out even himself by that. Yeah, that little touch. big but time. Yeah. yeah, enjoyed it. Um, John, have you got another point for us? Well, I think as well, it's,
0: it's Gabe. I think we finally get really introduced to Oswald's friend mm. or right-hand man. Gabe, I mean, I presume Gabe is to Oswald uh, what Butch is to Fish. And, you know, we've seen him there in the background um, in, in a number of episodes, but I feel that as though this episode, he really got introduced properly. Um In a number of ways, I think first off, as I' kind of just intimated, Oswald trusts him to take his precious mother home mm. and to to take her back and then more importantly, I think, is Jim comes as part of this investigation in in this week 's episode. He comes to um Oswald for help to get a break in the case to get mm. information on. Uh, Detective Flass. He's looking for a favour and for help and you can see that it's really tearing Jim up to ask for this favour because he wonders what is he going to have to do in return. He knows it's not for free, even though Oswald is kind of saying, well what do friends do? You know, They help one another out. They don't need to do a return favour. They just help them out as and when they're asked. And that's how Penguin sees his relationship with Jim. But who does Oswald entrust this information um to get he trusts Gabe and we're really introduced to an evil and ruthless um right-hand man just yeah. in the same way as Butch where he is questioning um Detective Delaware at, at his home mm. with a gun to Delaware's head and that's all you think the it's set up as though he is questioning him and um, he's interrogating him He's intimidating Delaware with the gun to his head, and he spills the beans. Yep. And then it's all of a sudden, his foot comes up, and Delaware's wife comes out of a bathtub full of water, and she's been held under water. And then Gabe goes, I need more than this. I need something to really um, hang Detective Flasson on. Yeah. And Dan goes his wife again, back into the water. The gun goes to Delaware's head. That's a great scene. It's brilliantly framed um, Mm -hmm. and it shows just how ruthless this guy who up until now has just been sat in the car seat next to Oswald or or just behind him or out of shot or or wherever. Mm -hmm. And now we see him doing what he's employed to do, being really ruthless and a
1: bit evil, really. I loved it. And yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I think his uh, his his performance here is great. The scenes with him are are really really good, and you know they really strike me of something of a of a good mobster film. You know, they're uh, I'd be pretty terrified for uh, for for a detective Derek Delaware. Let's just uh, let's quickly throw that in there. I think they've stolen my name for the show, Derek Delaware. Yeah. Spelled correctly, i very good. Yeah, yeah, I'm very impressed. Uh, poor guy. I think Gabe's oh, yeah. surname is Harrison. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. All right. All right. I'm expecting my head to be plunged into a bathtub now in a minute. <laughs> 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 uh, but, yeah, no. really good, really good scenes. It kind of leads on to my, my, uh, my next point, which is that this episode overall stands out to me for the fact that it's really about the right-hand men. It's right, about the right-hand men getting their due, uh, getting their day. You know, it's about Butch. It's about Zaz. It's about Harvey Bullock, who's uh, Jim's right-hand man. It's really about those characters getting their day, you know, and, and you know it's it's really fun to see Absolutely. that. You know, Absolutely, that's kind of that's kind of cool and very different for the show. It's about Butch again becoming more important to the story, and you know, really showing his loyalty to to um, to Fish. It's about uh, Zaz becoming the real right hand man for for Falcone. Remember last week he was crying about the fact that Falcone might leave and he wouldn't have anything to do anymore, uh, anything justifiable to do anymore, and now uh, this week he's able to truly. Uh, embrace being the the right hand man to Falcone and take out uh, Fish and and Butch, you know. Um, with Harvey, he's been able to kind of he's actually for the first time asked by Jim to completely help out and put everything aside and help him out with this case. Um, you know, he he's the one that gives him the full lead. And you've mentioned Gabe being uh, being tasked with something quite significant. Um, Oswald's never tasked Gabe with anything significant before. This time, he tasks him with taking his mother home. And which is pretty important to Oswald, and also um essentially getting the information out of uh out of delaware for for his good friend Jim. yeah exactly, I mean one of the things I really loved
0: um about the Harvey Bullock element here um and his interaction with Jim was Jim again pushing him to kind of be this honest cop to do the right thing, mm. and it brings it back to what. I think what I always thought Harvey was about, which he's not a corrupt cop, so to speak. He just does his thing. And um, he delivers a line to Jim, which is kind of like saying, it's not that I won't help you, but I don't need to if I don't think it's good for me. And he he says this line, my thing is for me. Mm-hmm. He will do what he thinks is right for himself that sets him up. In In effect, he's a selfish detective. And who's looking out for number one, and that number one is him, and if it helps him out, he will help Jim out now sometimes he does melt and he does things which are right, but is are we really seeing the the true Harvey Bullock because again, we see that through all of this, despite everything that's gone on with Fish Mooney. He's got a soft spot, and he will do anything for her, and he Mm. will give her the advice, which is, my advice to you is stay away. So he also has loyalty to his relationships, whether it is Jim as a professional partner and detective, Mm. or to former romances, I suppose is really what that is, um, and Flames, which is with Fish Mooney. So he does have a loyalty there, but... And sometimes it goes against his main philosophy, which is I look out for number one, and that's me.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that definitely. Um, not sure I agree with that he'd do anything for fish. I think it's it's kind of pointed out here that he does care for her. He'd do anything to keep her safe. Um, but I'm not too sure. It's not it's not really been explored, and I, I, I haven't really seen a huge amount of evidence of of him being uh, hugely corrupt. He definitely takes money under the table, and definitely will you know turn a blind eye occasionally. Um,
0: I don't mean but, he's corrupt, yeah.
1: I, I mean he
0: looks out for number one. And sometimes that goes against what Jim is trying, which is a bit more moral, it's a bo- bit more highfalutin. I percent, mean, yeah. Jim is a very moral-driven, good-bad-right-wrong guy. Harvey Bullock plows a field right the way through those two um, extremes of right and wrong, and mm-hmm. says, sometimes what you think is wrong is good for me, Sometimes what you think is right for me is wrong for you. And sometimes what's right for Jim is also right for me. And I go, I'll go, i go that way. But that is interrupted sometimes by his loyalty um, to the job as a good detective. Mm. I mean, ultimately, he is a good detective. I don't think he's corrupt. Yeah. I just think sometimes from another person's standpoint, what he's doing, why are you doing that? It, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. He's not doing it for any feathering of say people in higher power or what it. That's how it appears to me at the moment. Mm-hmm. But having said, coming back to what you said there on um, Fish Mooney, I think one of the other things which is interesting is that she did, um, Fish did try to kill Harvey Bullock in episode one. She orders Butch to go and get Jim and harvey they're strung up in a meat locker mm. um you know about to be shot and they're only rescued by falcone coming along saying you don't kill cops without my say so yeah it's bad for business so their relationship has been tense but obviously they've moved through that mm. um yeah trying to kill one another <laughs> um, and to undermine one another and um, and i do like um that grayness of Harvey Bullock, to be honest.
1: Yeah, Harvey clearly didn't hold that against her, I suppose. Um, it, it's very much he does He does have a soft spot, definitely. Um, I think she would even say that it wasn't something against Harvey that she was going to kill him. She was going to kill him because of the particular incident that happened with Jim Gordon. He was getting too close. Um, so she had to take out him and his partner. Uh, it seems like in the past he had, may have had other partners that that fish had to do that too, and he understands the rules of Gotham, I suppose. Um, but the good thing in this episode, as I mentioned, this this my point really is about the 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 right hand man and the right hand men stepping up in this episode. And the good thing about this episode is is what I love is Jim is finally being partnered again with Harvey, and is asking mm-hmm. a lot more of him than he ever did before. Yeah, um, and I love that Harvey's kind of stepping up in that. Uh, that's my point, John. Your next point?
0: I think moving on from those right hand men is. I've called it Jim's Support Group. Mm. I mean, I was saying before, you know, this is a this is new beginnings, a new dawn, the, the deck is being reshuffled here. And part of that is the whole G C P D. Um and for me, what I really like here is this sense that Jim is almost a bit too moralistic. Mm. He thinks no one else is trying to have the same goals as him. And actually what we see is that Huge amount of support and protection and advice from Captain Essen, who's support member one number one, mm-hmm. um, and support number two then comes from Harvey, as we're kind of discussing uh, before. It doesn't, on the face of it, always appear as though they're moving towards the same goals, but Harvey phones up one of his former uh, colleagues and uh, talking about the detective flask thing. And that means that they they come down and they find you know in as part of the investigation this whole bigger picture involving Derek Delaware and and these uh, drug stash houses where narcotics are are moving in are, mm-hmm. on them after they're arresting all the drug dealers and kind of taking over the operation. So he puts his neck on the line. And um, there we've seen that previously in other episodes as well so it's not a new thing mm. but I think it, it's drawn out more where Jim still questions the people around him um, about their intentions and about what they are doing in the GCPD and are they actually trying to arrest these people and Captain Essen and Harvey are both really kind of say to him in different ways, yes we are and yes we will, but you need to be a bit more savvy about it. Mm. You, you should stop being the, the, you know, the train just going down the tracks, not taking any account of anything that's around you. You need to do this in a certain way. And that's what I love, particularly from Captain Essen. She shows her kind of uh, political savviness um, in this whole world where she, you know, she warns and says, you can do an internal affairs investigation here, you tread carefully. You make sure that you have evidence. And it it comes to the end where she makes the arrest Mm. of Detective Flass. And that shows true support for what Jim Gordon is after. And she, she makes the arrest on him and taps him on the shoulder for support after that. And I loved that. I thought that was a great, great thing.
1: Yeah, particularly given that he didn't actually show her the evidence. There's a moment where Jim Gordon is sitting at the desk. He looks across at her office and clearly in his head he's going, if I bring it into her, she'll try and talk me out of it. It goes straight to Flass and it turns out that, the, that, that Captain Essen has got his back. Um, essentially, he is questioning the fact whether she's got his back or not. Um, that's that's why he makes that move. He goes straight for Flass. He shows him the evidence that he's found um, and tells him that he's going to take him down. It happens that... Captain Essen has his back but she told him to follow a very different procedure uh, which was go to her tell her about the evidence tell her what what the what he had on Flass uh, before they arrested but uh, he didn't follow that so yeah.
0: he didn't but she recognizes that here is the evidence yeah. and actually you're right she has moved that investigation over to internal affairs because after Jim arrests Delaware and um, publicly mm-hmm. Midway through the episode, Essen actually takes the case away from Jim because Flass has come up and he's kind of made the suggestion that, you know, Jim has actually undermined an ongoing deep cover narcotics investigation that Delaware is a part of. And um, you know this is after Essen has said, come to me, tread carefully. Yes, you can do this, mm. but make sure you don't go off on your own you know, the same reason that Godin moved to Arkham in the first place. Come to me, we will assess it, and we will act together. And she takes him off the case and hands it over to an internal affairs, which ultimately what we find here is two drunks in the basement. Yeah. And I actually wish they had involved the MCU here again, personally. Absolutely. I think the MCU have previously investigated Jim, in an, an internal affairs kind of role. Mm. I think this would have been a perfect opportunity Were now they're doing it in a way that has Jim's back and is following up on Jim's suspicions. I think that would have cemented um, their relationship. And I kind of wish that rather than internal affairs being called two drunks in a basement, because I think there could be more in the future, um, you know, it, it's certainly given a corrupt or a, a potentially corrupt office and pre- GCPD precinct. I mean, we've already seen Moroni use it as his sort of call-off tank for Oswald. People have come in, like Victor Zaz, fired a gun. No one's gone to arrest him or take him down because it's a bought institution. Um, and I would have loved to have seen the MCU brought in here, um, you know, Ray Montoya and Crispus Allen. I yeah. thought it would have been really good. Nonetheless, that didn't happen um but the main point being is that essen will come down against jim if he goes against her because she's politically savvy and that's what i like about her that's what mm-hmm. i love about this but ultimately she has this support for jim and has the same end game i think i just a different way of going about it, and I I really liked that about this episode um, from Captain Essen. I thought it was a really strong episode for her. It really just showed the strength of her leading the precinct, and I, yeah. I, I loved that, and coupled with then Harvey Bullock's help of him, in, in a much more understated way, I, I liked that kind of theme being brought out uh, around Jim, definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you. It just kind of lead in a little bit to one of my points. Um, which are just just a couple of things. We I,
0: have so many points that are similar this
1: <laughs> this time. Yeah, there's quite a few crossovers in what we what we've said. I suppose uh, the one couple of things I wanted to say about my point was really it's it's uh, the episode centers around the GCPD a lot more, as I mentioned earlier on. Um, Jim Gordon is really trying to, still trying to clean up the GCPD. That's that's kind of seems to be a central goal of his. It's not just investigate a crime; it's clean up the GCPD. If there's elements that he wants to root out, very very similar to the comic book character Jim Gordon, which is good. Um, if there's elements that he doesn't uh, abide by or isn't or, or finds uh, to be unsavory within the GCPD, that's the first thing he'll go after. He just is absolutely intolerant of um, of someone. Uh, not investigating a crime correctly, of you know, someone being killed on the premises of the GCPD is just out. That's completely unacceptable. And what he finds here is is he's able to get a fool. The whole band, every single person in the GCPD, other than Flass and his three mates, um, stands behind Jim here in this episode. Finally, they, they understand what Jim's point is. You can't have a witness coming to our precinct and being killed on the premises if. Uh if you're gonna if you're going to be a cop, you can't do that. Um if that happens on our precinct and we don't clean house and we don't take care of those people and take them out and send them to prison, we are going to be a much worse police service than uh, than any of us wants to work for. And everybody stands up, everybody has his back, it's not just S and it's not just Bullock, it's also Detective Alvirez who was called out a couple of times in this episode as being a quite a corrupt cop himself. He's been called out in the past as being a very corrupt cop who takes bribes all over the place. Um, but bribes are one thing. Killing someone in the precinct is a very different thing, and that's that's very much seen uh, in this episode. So I thought that was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think um, I think that whole element of the GCPD, and I think it kind of moves on to my final point, is just the whole investigation aspect of this episode is great. There's the internal investigation and storyline that comes about from the... The killing of a nondescript sort of low level drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the introduction of the narcotics unit in the GCPD uh, with Detective Flass who, um, you know, we get confirmed here as part of the GCPD. We were kind of talking about it last week, about whether the the guy that was around um, Christine Kringle was Detective Flass, and here we have it is a confirmation of that. Mm-hmm. Um we have this interplay with Flas and Jim Gordon, which from Batman Year One, they do not get on with one another. They are again opposite ends of the spectrum here. Jim has right from wrong, has a moral compass. Flas is essentially as corrupt as they come, yeah. is protected, is arrogant. and that's really, really good. You have mention of internal affairs being introduced as well. Mm-hmm. Now, it's two drunks in a basement, but nonetheless, we've got more expansion of the GCPD uh, world, which yeah. I think is, is really uh, good. And it echoes to me aspects of Gotham Central Comics, which we mm-hmm. reviewed in the build-up to this. And It's one of those episodes that really does tackle I think more meaningfully, the corruption of the GCPD. It's fine that Victor Saz comes in with a gun and shoots it in the air and no one tackles him. Uh, And we can say that it's a bought institution, but this really gets down to the nitty gritty of the dirt that is in the GCPD. It's not a a one-off scene. It really shows how Essen, as I was describing before, is managing the politics of Almost knowing that there are these corrupt people who are bought off but have protection and she has limited powers to do it. The likes of Harvey Bullock, who is knowledgeable of all of this and, you know, tries to balance um, himself on not getting involved that deeply in in that area, but also not... um, hacking them off and making them angry so that they come after him or he's a focus of or a target of their their anger or um of just needing to get rid of him because he asks too many questions and i love that element of this whole um storyline and and the investigation and to me this does remind as i said about gotham central and in particular i think issue 32 called nature which involves the narcotics unit and the drugs actually being sold by officers on the beat yeah, um, and to, hom- to to homeless people.
1: Yeah, that's the Poison Ivy episode, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Poison
0: issue. Ivy uh, issue. Uh, and it's really good, and it has echoes of that for me. And so it's really good to see this being laid bare in, in, in this episode. And I think what tops it all off for me is the twist at the end where Derek Delaware has been abused by Gabe Mm -hmm. Um, he's come in, infiltrated his home tried to um, essentially drown his wife as a bargaining chip for information in order to pass on to Jim Gordon and in that process it would appear he's dropped Jim's name and we have that end scene that twist for Jim where Delaware, who was kind of fairly um, arrogant himself I'm above the law. You can't touch me, Jim. You know, kind of almost putting that in his face. You know, when Jim and Harvey come and and, and um, break into one of the stash houses, he's there moving a load of drug product. Mm-hmm. And he just pulls out a, a, a Judge Bam Bam uh, warrant. So it looks like, and he can say, we're just moving this along. Yeah. We're not actually moving this on to... Consumers, we're just moving this along from a purely professional
1: police investigation route. Yeah, it's good that you mentioned the Judge Bam Bam warrant. It's it's a really good point. You know, Jim had used this in the past in one of the previous episodes. He'd used the uh, the previously signed Judge Bam Bam warrants, which you just fill in whatever you want uh, to investigate. Yeah. They're already pre-filled, already pre-stamped. Jim can't actually oppose Delaware's plan because he's used it in the past himself. But Jim used it for positive means. This guy is using it for negative means. And there's nothing he can do to stop him. And what's
0: really great then is by the end of it, he is so traumatized from Gabe's visit. And he knows it was to do with Jim Gordon that he he confronts him in um, an alleyway just down... By the side of the, the GCPD precinct mm. and says to Jim, please just keep my family out of it. You know, he's terrified. He's traumatized. And Jim is like looking at him going, what's happened? That The switch in Delaware's persona from at the start where you can't touch me to... I'll tell you anything. Just keep my family, my wife, and my kids out yeah. of it. Um I, I, I will, I will rat out. I'll, I'll do all that. Just keep me safe. And he's terrified of Jim and what Jim can do. And I love this twist that Jim is becoming, for different reasons, is becoming what he's investigating. He's getting the reputation of being fairly and um, badass, hard ass. And I love that that sits uncomfortably for Jim Gordon. Mm. That he is generating that amount of terror um, and trauma for other people that, say, Detective Flass would be. He's becoming a Flass for different reasons.
1: Potentially, or my my interpretation of it was that he's using fear uh, on the criminals to get what he wants out of them. So is he becoming a kind of a precursor to Batman? Is he using fear, the element that criminals hate the most, essentially, uh, to get the information he needs out of them. Um, is this a prototype for what Batman uses? What Bruce Wayne goes to as his calling card is uh, is striking fear into the hearts of criminals of Gotham?
0: But would Batman have used Delaware's wife? I don't think he would have done. Probably not. Probably and I not think that that's way. the difference. I, think I, ag- I can sense... That yes, he's had to introduce, mix it up in the GCPD and introduce a bit of fear, a bit of uh, of scariness and reputation about mm-hmm. him um, into the GCPD to get respect and for
1: people to follow him or to fall into line. I certainly think the point here is that Jim didn't think about it. That's kind of the point. He went to Oswald. He said, I need a favor. I need the answer to this question. He didn't ask him to not send Gabe. He didn't ask him to not threaten not threaten the the wife and kids of, uh, of Delaware to get this information out of him, which he should have, because by the end of this episode he realises that, you know, hold on a second, that's not what I wanted. I didn't want this to happen. And now, not only that, he also owes Oswald a favour.
0: Well, I think that's one of the most interesting elements of this is what consequences does this hold for Jim now that he is in the pocket of Oswald Cobblepot. Mm -hmm. He's asked for a favour, and he's been given it, and he's gotten a result. And in the process, it's made him, for certain members of the GCPD, a terrifying prospect. But for him, he now also has to be careful as to what comes down the line from Mm -hmm. Oswald wanting information, favour from him. That'd be interesting to see over the next maybe, you know, two or three or four or five episodes yeah. as to how that plays out and whether that comes into play. So that would yeah. be really good. But for I me I would be shocked if
1: it doesn't come into play. I think it's definitely been set up that this is going to be something quite big that Oswald's going to be asking of Jim Gordon now.
0: Yeah, and I, I think for me this was a really good investigation mm-hmm. and that it was internal to the G C P D. It was gritty Dirty really looked at the corruption um, between different units within the GCPD. And I thought it was a great, um, one of the great investigations. To me, like Spirit of the Goat, actually, in terms of right. investigation, it, yeah. it it met all those um, and checked all those boxes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no,
1: no, I, I agree, definitely introducing some of the members of the GCPD, whether they just be regular uh, background characters that you get to see a bit more clearly in this episode or whether it be you know some people getting lines that didn't get lines in the past um having an episode pretty central on the gcpd is is always good and what we hoped when we saw the start of the season as well so yeah no i agree with you i just have one final point about the episode which i which i liked a lot i love uh Christine and Ed again. Christine Kringle and Ed. Uh, I think we Ed uh, Nygma. Sorry. Um, I think we talked about them last week as well. Um, I really enjoy the interplay between those two characters. Um, yeah,
0: there was a real warming at the waters there between the two of them uh, in this week. I
1: wouldn't say a real warming. I'd say a little. From her side, I thought. I'd say a little bit of a warming. Yeah. A warming. Uh, definitely, there's definitely a, a nice, a nice little bit of movement. But I absolutely love Christine Kringle's delivery of. Her apology for Flast taking the card that Ednigma gave. Flast is essentially reading out Ednigma's card and joking about how terrible it is. Christine comes in and gives the apology about it to him. Ed kind of goes, oh, well, could we possibly go out for a drink? And then she says, "Nope, don't say anything more. So there's a little bit of a, war- a warming, as in she doesn't want to be hurt because she's a kind human Absolutely. being. Absolutely. Because she's a kind human being, but nothing more than that. No, absolutely, <laughs> and
0: I thought there was a real nice scene where, in addition to that scene where he's taking all the onions out of his Chinese takeaway, and, you know, she is kind of saying, you know, it was really nice what you wrote, and I'm sorry that Flass had sort of tears it apart and yeah. joked about it in that way. But he's doing it, you know, through a big a magnifying glass, uh, which is backlit, and I love the lighting on um, Corey Michael Smith's face and, mm-hmm. and how... He just looks really like Edward Nygma for me. Really? In, in that few scenes uh, where he's in the darkness with this kind of fluorescent light coming from the magnifying glass as he's picking onions. I mean, it's so OCD. Absolutely. Um, which fits the character really, really well. But his face is illuminated with this you know, kind of bluey, cold fluorescent light. And to me, it just looks something out of the comic books. It's perfect. I, I mean, I've always always been cast really well, but in that moment, for me, it is Ed Nigma and I see the Riddler totally in him. And I thought that was a great little moment. Um, and set up in the design of that scene and, and how it was shot and how it was lit
1: was really good. Yeah, I yeah, know. I definitely liked the scene. I think particularly what I liked about the scene was his reaction to her... Uh, to Christine again, saying, The card's thoughtful, don't say anything else, I'm leaving now. And he goes, There is hope. Um, so, regardless of what Christine said, Ed thinks there's hope between the two of them for their relationship. Uh, I'm not so sure. I have a feeling there's going to be quite a significant fall for Ed uh, coming in the future when Christine does finally spurn his advances and uh, potentially helps to create.
0: She may be the one that tips him over the edge.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and I think with that, it
0: is that this is another really solid episode of of Gotham. It really builds on the events from the previous episodes, but also has a great standalone gritty investigation of Mm -hmm. the GCPD itself, which I think was really really good and for that this is one of my favorite episodes i think so far really? um i think it's really good i the more i i talk about it the more um i watch it i find it really quite close to what gotham central mm-hmm. um did in its series or of, of comic issues and i liked gotham central and i wanted to see that element and i think this draws that out so this for me, was a really good episode. Very interesting. Very
1: interesting. Yeah, like I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. I thought that I I absolutely wanted a couple of episodes of of GCPD Investigations, and this is a really good one, definitely. I Uh, like how it plays out. I I think there's um, probably a lot of serialized elements, and if I felt, suppose, after watching the last 12 episodes of the show, unfortunately I've, I've become accustomed to it changing up every week sometimes. If I felt this was going to lead in, directly into next week's episode and there was going to be a payoff for what happens here with Jim, etc. I probably would be a bit more optimistic about it. Unfortunately, just knowing how the show's gone so far, I just feel there's not going to be the payoff in episode 14 of the show um, for Jim realizing that he's pushed uh, another detective to the edge or for all those other investigations or for the whole GCPD standing up together. I feel next week's episode is going to kind of reset the GCPD back to where they are this week. Um... Yeah, so, no, I mean... Which is unfortunate. And that's that's more, I suppose, meta-knowledge rather than just watching the show. Definitely. Um, but no I,
0: I think the other good thing is that it does reset the serialized elements as well um, in terms of all these evolving and now changed relationships mm-hmm. of those serialized elements like Falcone, Fish, Butch, Oswald. They've all altered. It's true. Now that the explosion and the reveal has occurred. Mm -hmm. There's potentially still more to come because Moroni still is not aware of this. So Mm -hmm. to a large part, the whole former interrelationships between these serialized elements has kind of been reset and have been reshuffled in this episode. And I thought that was done really well as well as the investigation. So for me, it was a really solid and a really strong episode. Um, and for me, it harks and echoes to the Gotham Central. Yeah. So that, to me, was always going to make it positive and, and and good for me. I thought they really captured that spirit well. It
1: was just a shame they didn't have the MCU in there. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, I didn't mean to sound too negative about the episode. I did enjoy it, definitely. Uh, I've just got a couple of little notes about the about the episode. Yeah, uh, go on. So Michael Eklund, who played Bob, the uh, the torturer in uh, in the scene with Fish Mooney, he's uh, he had formerly played Barton Mathis, uh, who was the dollmaker on Arrow. We know we're getting the dollmaker later on in the series. It's clearly not going to be played by Michael Eklund. He ends off with uh, quite a quite a nasty end at the hands yeah. of both Butch and uh, Victor's ass. So yeah, he gets a
0: bullet in the head, yeah. I do
1: believe. That's right. So uh, so probably not going to be the dollmaker on. Um, bye bye,
0: um, Gotham torture.
1: Yeah, Bob. Poor Bob. Poor Bob. <laughs> uh, Nico Nikatera, um, who played Derek Delaware, uh on the show, also starred in Sons of Anarchy alongside Donald Loeb in a, in a previous life. So uh
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, played the character of Rat Boy on the uh, very that show. interesting. Yeah. Haven't seen all of Sons of Anarchy, have watched quite a few episodes of it and uh, really good show. Um maybe much more adult show than, I
0: wonder um, if he will become anarchy. He was fairly um Highly strong by the end of the episode.
1: Dirk Delaware, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, perhaps he could become. Maybe anarchy, he but... will become
0: Anarchy. Maybe that Sons of Anarchy uh, theme will run through into <laughs> him becoming Anarchy.
1: Yeah, perhaps he was also in the movie The Purge: Anarchy. So Anarchy obviously lives right by side, like right side by side uh, against Nico Nicotera. So, uh, so maybe he is Anarchy. Although the character of Anarchy is a, is a, is usually a young teenage boy. So, um, so prop. Perhaps not a married man with kids. Uh, but you never know. They could take the character. Um, one other point for me for the for the episode is uh, Carol Kane. Uh, we've been watching her in another show recently called The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah, Really I, funny. Uh, I think I'd mentioned when Carol Kane was cast that I remembered her from the movie Scrooged. And uh, I hadn't really seen her much in, in anything much since that time. And then she came into Gotham and really excited. And then all of a sudden... Turned on Netflix a couple of weeks ago, and The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is on there, and a, a really good comedy. And she's quite central; she's in every episode so, so far. Well, she's so, their landlord,
0: yeah. So, or if, landlady,
1: I should say. Yeah,
0: Shaving her legs on uh, on their couch. The last episode, I think I saw. <laughs> it's a really funny yeah. um, show. Uh, and again, Carol Kane plays kooky sort of landlady so well. Absolutely. It's really,
1: really good. So, if you want to see more of of, of Gertrude Cowell-Pott, uh Go on and pop onto Netflix and watch the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's worth worth a worth a half hour of your time, definitely. Uh, that's my notes for the episode. Anything else for yourself, John? No,
0: I think um I am all noted out actually from <laughs> from this show. I think um again, i say I can't really say how much I really enjoyed this, and the more I think about it, the more I kind of enjoy it. I think it was a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Um so welcome back, Jim Gordon.
1: hmm You Excellent. have done us proud. Excellent. Next week, we are on to The Fearsome Dr. Crane. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's going to be a two-part episode, but will be broadcast two separate weeks, which is good for us. Uh, we're not going to have two episodes back-to-back um, next week in the UK. Um, the, the next episode is directed by John Baring and written by John Stevens. John Stevens has written three other episodes so far uh, on the show. He's written uh, Selena Kyle, The Balloon Man, The Mask. Um, so, hopefully... Um, He'll be honing his talents again on the, on the fearsome Doctor Crane next week.
0: Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. Um, to me, this feels like a real introduction to you know a classic Batman character, or at least his father, and how that results in uh, a traumatized person that becomes the Scarecrow ultimately. So, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how how they play with this uh, and breathe life into. And um, Jonathan Crane, th- via and through his father, so this should be really good.
1: Yep, really looking forward to that one next week.
0: Yeah, so if you want to listen to us um, talk about the fearsome Doctor Crane, you can obviously catch us on. Gotham TV podcast forward slash iTunes. You can follow us and, and listen to us on Stitcher, Player FM, or any other good podcast catcher. Just search Gotham TV podcast. If you want to be involved in any of our interaction through Twitter or Facebook or Gotham or Gotham Plus or Google Plus, um, you can just search Gotham TV podcast and tweet at us, uh, like us, comment about us or about the show, um, and obviously remember there is that competition, as we said at the start of the episode.
1: Yeah. so out of feedback. Fascinating. Points well made, I think. Uh, as John mentioned earlier on, everybody that sends us in feedback will be entered into our competition to win the Penguin uh, poster, which is uh, which is really good. Uh, and some other prizes. We will start to announce those prizes as we go along uh, over the rest of the episodes. Our first piece of feedback this week is on our Rogues Gallery episode. Remember, we, we released two episodes last week, Rogues Gallery and What the Little Bird Told Us, because uh, the two episodes aired in the UK. Uh, our feedback comes from Dylan Exner. He makes a point that we forgot... A joker watched last week, which is Butch's line. Don't even joke like that. Um, essentially, he. I, th- I think Jill- Dylan feels that possibly Butch is one of the jokers. Is that uh, is that possible? Do you think
0: it could be? Yeah. Um, I would say maybe the Guinness clouded my judgment. Um, we were recording on St Patrick's Day, but I mean, yeah, anything like that is a great catch. So again, actually, Dylan comes in with a great catch we missed um another one or two uh joker watches that he's kind of um highlighted for us so that's really good but but certainly we know that the killer of the Waynes is a heavy set guy Um you know if he says something like that it could be that he might morph into being the joker possibly, possibly. Butch and um, i know there's some other fan theory about butch potentially being the penguin and the penguin not being the Penguin at all, or mm-hmm. Cobblepot, but maybe he's the Joker. But um, there's some crazy theories out there. There are some it. crazy theories out there, but maybe you know that Joker watch line—it's perfectly valid for mm-hmm. the time being. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much for that, Dylan. I still think my theory is is uh, is that Butch is the killer of uh, of Bruce Wayne's parents. I still think that's uh, that's who he is. I, I have I have uh, I've still that's still not changed uh, throughout the episode so far. Um I think we may find that. But could he be
0: Joe Chill then?
1: His actual real life name. Maybe, maybe.
0: Another thing that Dylan mentioned was that actually Leslie Tompkins, uh, played by Marina Bacara, um she has had um potentially a, a love interest with Alfred Pennyworth. That we'd we been saying that we weren't sure whether she'd had a, a love interest with anyone else before. Um we know that she has the back of of Bruce Wayne, the older Bruce Wayne and mm-hmm. Batman. She doesn't like him being a vigilante, but maybe um, what Dylan is saying is that she could have had a, a love um, affair and a, be a love interest for a Alfred Pennyworth, which fits in with her role in the grown up, I suppose um, Batman universe where you have older versions of, of these characters mm-hmm. by, by that. So that's a really good point. And yes, she has been... Um, Linked romantically with Alfred Pennyworth on, I think, more than one occasion, in her role as a guardian and protector as well, along with Alfred, um, of Bruce Wayne, following the death of his parents.
1: Yeah, yeah, we—I'd always said there's some things that I'm not uh, not fully sure on in all the history of Batman, but uh, but uh, so I'm sorry about that—that uh, that little error of mine last week, but uh, but. Hey, we had uh, we had four hours of podcasting going on, so uh, some little things do slip through the cracks. Uh, one other thing that Dylan mentions is that uh, that Gruber in the episode really reminded him of Hugo Strange. And um, I've popped up a photograph in the show notes for this uh, for this episode. And um, he certainly looks like some, time. Yeah, some versions of Hugo Strange definitely the glasses, the the beard that he has, the haircut, very very similar. And um, thanks very much for your feedback, Dylan. Definitely. And we also got um,
0: some feedback from Daniel Butcher. Um, Thank you, Daniel. Detective Daniel. And thank you as well, Detective Dylan, we should say. Mm -hmm. Um, Daniel says that for episode 12, uh, that what the little bird told him, still have problems with that, even without the Guinness. Um, (laughs) Loved that Johnny Cash opening. And it is. It's a great opening for, for the episode. It really adds to the atmosphere.
1: And um, of the whole episode, it's great, yeah, yeah, uh, doug Green, another one of our uh, another one of our listeners, came to us with a little bit of a question uh, for a bit of clarity after the end of our of our episode uh John, d- what Doug is asking you is uh, can you help out the ignorant Americans, what is a bacon bap? Well, first of all, Doug, certainly do not
0: be um, harsh on yourself. It's not ignorance. It's just um, a colloquialism. People in southern England um, probably wouldn't know what a bap is either. Yep. Um, but a bacon bap is a bacon butty. It is a bacon sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, a bap is a soft, a large, soft white roll, which is something that in northern England, I think in Scotland as well probably, a bap is commonplace. It's mm. a soft white roll which is very large, and when stuffed with um, bacon, mm. maybe um, sausages and a fried egg with a but sauce of your choice, whether it be ketchup. ketchup or brown sauce, um is a great way to start the day, um,
1: certainly if you've had some
0: alcohol as well. I think.
1: <laughs> I think we've probably introduced you to a few other things you might not uh, might not be aware of. I don't think you have brown sauce either. So. I'm sure
0: Batman would have a bacon bat actually um, <laughs> as he starts on his crusade to um, you know rid Gotham of, of villainy and crime. I'm not sure. I think his body's a temple. Maybe Alfred might have. No, he a needs bacon the carbs. I reckon he needs the carbs. He needs the protein, eggs.
1: Bacon mm-hmm.
0: sausage.
1: <laughs> All right, you're making yeah. us making our mouth water again. Uh one other bit of feedback that we got last week was from Zabrina Guevara, who plays Captain Sarah Essen on the show. Um we were commenting on the fact that as as you heard on the episode that uh that we were wondering whether there's a little bit of a relationship building between her and um and Detective Jim Gordon or not. Uh she said she came back to us and said he did look quite spiffy in that outfit. She confirmed Jim Gordon did look spiffy. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks very much for that, Sabrina, and thanks very much to everybody else. And here's some Twitter feedback on "Welcome Back, Jim Gordon." Yeah, we had a good old, good old chat online uh, last night with, uh, with a lot of the followers and a lot of the viewers of uh, "Welcome uh-huh. Back, Jim Gordon" on Channel Five. Um, but a couple of pieces stood out, and we thought we'd uh, thought we'd share them with you. Um, I'd mentioned in the past about uh, J.W. Cortez, who's a background actor for for Gotham, um, and is also a, a New York PD officer um what i popped up on twitter last night was uh, he's the one that reads the miranda rights or the you have the right to remain silent to detective flass in the, the gcpd so i popped up on twitter last night if jw cortez being a police officer reads your miranda rights are you truly truly arrested oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and JW Cortez came back to us and said, That's a really great question. What do you think, Sabrina Guevara, Ben McKenzie, Donald Logue, and Danny Cannon? Um so I I presume he uh, he thinks it's a possibility that he could actually have arrested um uh, Detective Flass. He may also have arrested all his cast members. That's true, that's true. Um and great question. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, Rachel 153 also came back to say oh I hope so I wouldn't mind getting my read- my rights read to me by J.W. Cortez <laughs> It's a good looking young actor really isn't it. Thanks for that Rachel I'm sure J.W. Cortez really enjoyed the compliment. <laughs> we also got some feedback from Gotham Cosplayers UK. Uh, a really good group actually you yeah. some, some of their photographs are really good they saw the moment with Fish and Zaz and uh, they tweeted out bye bye Fish careful you don't get battered <laughs> which I thought was hilarious so. Battered Fish <laughs> Battered mm. Fish Tasty, you love it, mushy peas. <laughs> and finally, from last night's uh, last night's tweet, there is also another one of the background actors that we've been following for a number of months—a lovely guy on on Twitter called Tom Calderon. Uh, finally, we got to see an episode which had a good moment of a good a good screenshot, really, of uh, of Tom Calderon on on there. So we uh, popped up. I think we also caught a glimpse of Tom in this episode of Gotham on yeah, Five. Yeah, there
0: were a few little shots now of of him in this episode which was really really good to see
1: yep and he came back with uh you are correct my gothamite friends that's me at my desk seeing flask getting arrested good eyes thanks and you guys are just great i hope that everyone enjoyed today's welcome back jim gordon episode Yep. Yeah, so, uh, thanks very much for that chat. I certainly did. Yeah, we we really did, as you can as you can tell from our review. Thank you very much, and thanks very much, Tom, for coming back to us. Uh, guys, go follow Tom Calderon, Gotham Cosplayers UK, and J.W. Cortez on Twitter. Definitely. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Uh, really good. And really, really good. Really interactive with the fans as well. So, and, and people that are enjoying enjoying the show. Again, everybody that's commented, sent feedback, and popped up a review on iTunes for us, uh, you are all in the hat for uh, for the for winning our next prize. And uh, thanks very much for your feedback if you want to send us feedback as always email us at feedback at gotham follow us on Twitter at Gotham podcast join our Facebook group on Gotham podcast at facebook there's Google plus
0: as well again Gotham TV podcast or you can leave a comment um, on any of our posts at gothamtvpodcast.com, tvpodcast.com um, where you can also listen to um, our podcasts along with Gotham tv podcast forward slash iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or any other good podcast catcher to to listen and to check out any of our episodes. So again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, no news this week, but I'm sure we will be getting a lot of news shortly, I suppose. Um, we are aware that filming is beginning to um, end for season one, mm-hmm. the last episode there. So there may begin the whole rumor mill uh, and releases at least coming up to the tcas af- um, sort of in may time and mm-hmm. obviously we're coming into the comic convention time where we'll get more news about um, the season 2 which has been confirmed i'm sure
1: yeah yeah absolutely and it's great to great to be back weekly and thanks very much for listening bye cuz we are we are family.